0: Sometimes life is gonna kick you in the ass, and the same goes for professional wrestling. Plenty of times over the years, bad things have gone down in a ring where a talent is well within the rights to be pissed off, so much so if they had wanted a big bag of cash, they likely could have got it. Because sports entertainment can be so strange though, there are other offerings that can light up a performer's eyes, and this is what we shall discuss today. I'm Simon from What Culture. please do hit that subscribe button, and this is 10 compensations wrestlers accepted as payback. Number 10, The Ultimate Warrior and a DVD. It doesn't take a genius to figure out why The Ultimate Warrior wasn't particularly happy when WWE released a DVD called The Self-Destruction of The Ultimate Warrior. The name gives the content away, and it really was just a couple of hours of people telling us how awful this guy was. The time it shocked a lot of individuals, we had never really seen anything this direct before. When this was all swept under the rug and the warrior returned in 2014 to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, the former Jim Helwig wanted to try and erase this as much as possible, so asked for a brand new documentary to be made that told the opposite story, one where he was portrayed as a legend. Given that they were all trying to get on, this did happen, but how odd is that? Ten years prior, we hated him and he was the worst thing that ever happened in wrestling, now man, what a hero. All of this is difficult to discuss given the comments Warrior made throughout his life, which should never have been said by anyone, but still, on this day, it was the wrestler who got the last laugh. Number 9. Jesse Ventura, Commentary Writes Jesse Ventura was not a guy afraid to ask the big questions. He would stand up to Vince McMahon constantly, including trying to unionize the WWF before apparently Hulk Hogan stoozed him out. How could you, brother? In short, Jesse was the definition of knowing your worth. When it was time to retire, he already had a plan too, which was to move across to the commentary table, where he also excelled. Hell, you could argue he was a better announcer than he was in the ring. Once more, though, Ventura was no fool, and given the fact that he was now going to have a far more prominent presence on every show he realized he could use that to transition across to movies which he did before returning to wrestling to beat vince mcmahon in court simply put his time in hollywood taught him a thing or two about royalties so he took the world wrestling federation and sued them for unpaid work on countless tapes that featured his voice ventura was paid a handsome sum i assume and unsurprisingly found himself muted on future releases I wonder why. Number 8, Bret Hart and the WWF title and faith. When Bret Hart finally became the WWE Champion at WrestleMania 10, he deserved a big celebration. A year prior, his moment had been robbed courtesy of that madness with Hulk Hogan, so this time it was all about letting everybody know the Hitman was the guy and we should love him. It moved Hart into the position of a locker room leader too, with Vince McMahon telling Bret that he was the man now and they were going to treat him right, hence this coronation. It sold the whole idea within a few minutes because everybody and their dog from the roster was out there at Madison Square Garden, all pointing at Brett as he held the title above his head. He also got a decisive win over Yokozuna putting that one to bed, and had his feud with Owen Hart greenlit. So to make up for WrestleMania 9, McMahon was essentially giving the excellence of execution the rub of the green, and got over any doubts by putting his faith in the Hitman. We can argue how business was in 1996, but to say Hart wasn't a draw is to not look at all the numbers. Without the likes of him, who the hell knows what state WWF would have been in. Probably would have been a lot worse. Number 7, Bret Hart and his legacy. Sadly, 10 years on, things were very different. We all know what happened during the end of Bret Hart's WWF tenure, and saying there were bad feelings was an understatement. It put Hart in a position where he was even more protected over his legacy, given how his career had finished, as he didn't want that to be the overwhelming full stop. He was so much more, and the man was right. So when it turned out WWE were planning on doing a variation of the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior DVD, but calling it Screwed the Bret Hart Story, the Canadian hero moved to stop this it was quite the moment as it meant Hart and McMahon working together for the first time since that incident in November 1997 and the end result was a hall of fame induction and a brand new video project which did all of the above and then some celebrated the fact that Brett was one of the best wrestlers ever that was worth far more than any money Hart could have been offered and just go hunt down the interviews he did talking about the thing for first-hand evidence my word that guy cared more power to him Number 6. Bam Bam Bigelow in a Main Event Run Bam Bam Bigelow had a crazy 1995. On the one hand, he was going to face former NFL player Lawrence Taylor at WrestleMania 11, which the WWF was going to make a huge deal out of. But on the other, he was going to lose to former NFL player Lawrence Taylor at WrestleMania 11, which the WWF was going to make a huge deal out of. Piccolo sold this contest superbly before the match and made it feel like he was going to destroy the guy and one of the reasons he was happy to throw himself into it was because he was promised even in defeat that a main event run was waiting for him on the other side a monster babyface push is how it was described but i'm not sure that's what he got booted out of the million dollar corporation without any real hoopla didn't help and just shaking hands with wwf champion diesel didn't do much of anything especially as big daddy cool was done with bam bam weeks later and he reunited with Shawn michaels this meant that the the grand plan had seen Bigelow moved into third position during his own rise up the ladder, and when it all went bad at the King of the Ring against Sid Tanka. That was that. The push vanished, Bam Bam left the company by the end of the year, and none of this was any good. Number five, Charles Austin and $10 million. think you'd hear about this more in pro wrestling just because the sport is so dangerous, and sadly one of the reasons we haven't is because of the countless legal loopholes promoters have jumped through to protect themselves. Financial settlements are not all that prevalent in the land of predetermined grappling, although this was not the case in 1994. The story goes thusly. Local enhancement talent Charles Austin decided to sue the WWF in the early 90s, after rocker Marty Jannetty dropped him on his head during a squash match. Speed forward a few years and a jury awarded him $26.7 million that was eventually reduced to 10 due to the loss of strength and mobility he suffered because of this injury. Obviously this never aired on WWE television, although news outlets did show it due to it being submitted as legal evidence. It is terrifying to watch too as Austin lands and goes limp almost instantly as both Jannetty and Shawn Michaels look on, quite aware that something had gone horribly wrong. Health and safety first, please, before anything else. Number four, Sable and a fresh start. This really was a proper never say never. And sure, there had been bigger. Well, how the hell did that happen? But when Sable returned to fans, were pretty shocked. Mostly because Sable had sued the company after she left originally in 1999. Talk about proof that Vince McMahon would always do what's best for business. But after jumped 2003 and everybody decided a comeback would be great all round. So there she was. For one reason or another, it didn't last that long. Although this could be down to the fact she was Booked in a lesbian love angle with tori wilson this was not the best time to be a wwe fan any controversy beforehand however was considered water under the bridge which is what sable needed to get back on with it or so it seemed i would guess maybe just maybe it wasn't as smooth as the parties involved were expecting number three kevin nash and a crate of beers kevin nash is just a cool dude mostly due to stories like this but as per reddit back in 2015 while on the set of 2004's punisher movie big sexy got stabbed in the arm with a real knife. Was he meant to be stabbed by a real knife? Nope. It was meant to be a prop, but something had gone seriously wrong. You can even see the cuts in the final version of the movie, and a big reason for this is because Nash didn't want to cause much of a fuss and hold up production. So as the story goes, Kev said he'd happily accept some beers from the crew as compensation, and that would be that. So there is a lesson, kids. While a monetary payoff would have likely been deserved, if you want to be a badass, shrug off the pain and just ask for some boo. Number two, The Undertaker and rest and recovery. Say hello to one of the smartest wrestlers ever. We all know how incredible The Undertaker's run in WWE was and how today he is considered a bona fide legend. No one is doubting his work ethic either before this gets misconstrued. The man was an example for how to get the most out of your character. One of the reasons he was able to keep himself ticking over though is because he knew when to go away for a while. After a mammoth stretch on the road between 1990 and 1993, he was thrown into a casket at the 94 Raw Rumble and didn't return until summer slam, and then in 1996 he did the same for a few months after Mankind had kicked his ass. The Deadman took some more personal time after Kane burned him a lion in 1998, and he took some more time to recover from injuries in 1999 before returning in 2000 as the American Badass. There's more of these too, and it's all a template for what other wrestlers should try and do if they can. The Phenom took breaks, but breaks are good, especially when your body is telling you that you need them. This is another reason why he is considered an all-timer. Number 1. CM Punk and an apology from Vince McNeil Man. We changed the rules here as this one was not accepted, but it's topical, so there. But way back in 2014, during CM Punk's now infamous Colt Cabana podcast appearances, the voice of the voiceless talked about how he received his WWE firing papers on the day of his wedding. Sheesh. Soon after, Vince McMahon went on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast to apologise to Punk, but he was having none of it. Calling it nothing more than a publicity stunt and that no one had even bothered to pick up the phone and say sorry to him personally, this felt like a divide that was never going to be fixed it still feels like that now. Even when CM started working for WWE backstage, he made it very clear that this was for Fox and not the company he had left. And given his recent arrival in AEW, I don't think we'll ever see the two play ball again. There is definitely no compensation here.